A certain man made a great supper and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The feasts of ancient Israel followed a specific pattern of invitation. If we were to put it into our terms, we would see it as something like a, a save the date and invitation between hosts and guests. The host would first send out an invitation and receive confirmations and then proceed to prepare the feast only to send out a second invitation later on. When all things were ready, the host would send this notice and the guests would come. The host would be expected to give generously and abundantly out of their goodness and their livelihood. Guests, in turn, would be diligent to attend to their generosity, and they would do this through a mindful expectation of the feast, through readiness to attend when that second invitation came, through enjoyment of all that was provided, and through thanksgiving and appreciation of the host at the end. In this give and take between host and guest, everyone worked together to produce a common sense of peace, of rest, of joy, and of sharing life together. For those in Israel, though, the act of feasting was more than a matter of social nicety or friendliness or a display of generosity. Feasts are central to Jewish religion. The high feasts at Jerusalem, in particular, celebrated the iconic moments in the nation's life of celebrating all that God had done for them to make them who they were in their history. So, too, these celebrations had a habit of overflowing mere ceremony. Ritual feasts very often poured over into family celebrations all over the city. At the time of the Passover, for instance, these banquets were opportunities where the rites of the temple became the celebration of the home. And these celebrations in the home were opportunities to share one's home and life with those that were often considered to be outsiders. Ritual celebration this way culminated in family feasting at which the fatherless, the widows, the strangers found a place among the people of God. The goodness of God poured into the goodness of his people and then was meant to flow out beyond their walls into the goodness of the outsider. Our Lord's parable from the gospel takes this familiar practice and uses it as a window through which we see into the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom like? Well, it's like a great feast to which many guests are invited. Having been informed of the impending festivity, the guests' first show of gratitude should be to get ready to attend, because that second invitation is coming, and it's only proper as a guest to be ready. But when the word arrives that all things are prepared, the invited guests reveal their woeful lack of gratitude, because they fail to be ready and so failed to respond to the hospitality of their host. Whatever the virtue of their reasons for not attending, they failed to follow through on their commitments, 
The startling thing is that their commitments seem really legitimate. Taken alone, matters of family and business seem like pretty good things and worthy of our attention. But it's in the context of this hospitality between host and guest that even these worthy pursuits merit a new context and merit reevaluation. To their lack of gratitude, the host responds by revoking their invitation and giving the chance for others to respond. In this shift, the special honor of the few becomes the far-reaching privilege of the many. In light of this, Christ's message becomes clearer. To the people who hear it, they learn that long ago, God sent his first invitation to his chosen people through Moses and the prophets in order to get them ready for the great day of the Messiah, who would come carrying the bounty and blessing of God's kingdom for their consolation and peace. With John the Baptist comes the second message. All things are now prepared. Jesus is the one who brings the great feast of God's kingdom. But there's also a warning here. You've received the greatest invitation imaginable from the most generous host possible. Do everything you must do to get to this feast. But as we've been learning in our readings over the past few months, this warning goes unheeded. Like the ungrateful guests, the chosen people reject Jesus the Messiah and the kingdom that he brings. And so in light of this resurrection, the kingdom is opened to all who will accept the invitation. And this brings us to today. We have received God's invitation to this great feast. And so for us, Christ's parable comes with the same warning. Do everything you must do to get to the feast. All that we have witnessed from Advent to Pentecost has been the gracious invitation of God. And so now we must respond. We've been invited to the great banquet of Christ that will be forever. Through baptism and faith, we have accepted the invitation. By the intercession and lordship of the ascended Christ and the gift of the Holy Spirit, we have been given the means to prepare for that second invitation at the end. And so now, in this long season of Trinity, we now eagerly await Christ's second advent, his second coming, when all things are ready and when the feast begins forever. God is a generous host, sending a far-reaching invitation to his feast. But God is also a gracious host in that he will allow us to turn away from our invitation if we choose to love someone or something more than him. In this light, we can see that the long Trinity season is a gift of time, defined by this loving invitation from the Father through the Son and by the Spirit. And like all gifts, we can use it well or badly. We respond to this invitation by participating in the new life that we have received through faith and the sacraments. 
By conversion and baptism, our names are on God's guest list. By confirmation and Eucharist, we've been enabled to prepare for the feast through putting on the feasting attire of forgiveness, hope, gratitude, and love for one another. Every year of the church calendar gives us the opportunity to practice for this ultimate joy as we remember afresh the story of how God invites us, prepares us, and then finally brings us in. Every Eucharist is a foretaste of how all creation will be when the day of our Lord arrives. Today, we gather to the feast that our Lord has prepared which is his own life freely given to be gratefully received. The whole Christian life, the whole rule of prayer, is about getting to the feast. Because the more we understand how good and how beautiful that feast is, the more we will come to know that the feast is all there really is. So let us come, for all things are now ready. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen.